0: So there's a story of a kindergarten Sunday school teacher who was teaching his students in his class, he, and he wanted to, he was teaching them about heaven and asked, started by asking them the question, what do you have to do to get to heaven? So be, he's trying to gauge what they think about heaven and how you get there. And so he begins asking them a few questions to kind of gauge where they're at. And he says, if I sold my house and my car and then did a bunch of garage sales and sold all my stuff and gave all my money to the church, you know, give all my money to God, would that get me to heaven? And the class all responds, no. And he's like, okay, well, if I volunteered, you know, like every day and serving the poor, like I was just always, always looking for people to serve and serving the poor every day for the rest of my life, would that get me to heaven? And the kids all say, no. No. He's like, well, what if I was really, really kind to animals and I, I gave candy to children all the time and I was the best, you know, uh, husband and dad I could ever be? Would that get me into heaven? And the kids all say, no. And then he's like, okay, well, here's, here's the time. So he says, well, then how can I get to heaven? He asks the class. And there's a boy that just cannot contain himself. And he stands up in the back of the class and he goes, you got to be dead. <laughs> yeah. So, which brings up, which brings up kind of my reputation, which we should talk about for a few moments. Um, so, I, I have quite a reputation for bringing up um, our mortality as, as a, as a, just an individual, but also as a pastor. And I've been thinking about this reputation I have. And in fact, it's earned me a nickname. Like, I've got the nickname... Um, based on the Saturday Night Live character, and it's Donny Downer. That's my, because I have like this particular ability to bring up, you know, it doesn't matter what we are talking about. Somehow the conversation ends up with talking about a crime that was committed or something like. I don't know how I get there, but but I end up just having this reputation for bringing up um, the fact that we don't live forever uh, regularly. Uh, in, in conversations and in sermons. And so I was thinking about, why do I do this? Why do I do this? What is this all about? And in fact, before I tell you that, let me tell you about my uh, Christmas gift um, that I got. So Matt and Kristen are beloved uh, friends and you know worship pastor and, and um, just good friends that we've been doing ministry with for a long time. For Christmas, they got me this. Now, for those of you that can't read that or those watching online, it says Book of the Dead. This is my Christmas present from them. It's a collection of obituaries from the New York Times of famous people. And so it was the perfect gift for a number of reasons. Yeah, it's the perfect gift. One is it's really interesting. Like I'm totally, I'm really interested by this just in general, Um, but also it just fits that whole Donnie Downer thing. So thank you publicly, Matt and Kristen, for for getting me this wonderful Christmas gift. Um, So really, I was thinking about this. I'm glad you're enjoying this. I was thinking about thinking about my reputation for doing this, and what, what is that all about? Why, do, why am I always kind of thinking about this? And, and, and I want to say, like, part of it is my just experience in, in ministry, right, is that, that I I've part of being a pastor is that you serve people when they're reaching the end of their, through, through their whole lives, including when they reach the end of their life. And I had um, my very first funeral that I ever preached was for my father-in-law, who passed away way too young, in his 50s, um, right when I was starting as the lead pastor of this church. And so that my very first funeral was for a family member that was, it was just a sad, very tragic situation. And, and then, then after that, for over the next few years, I, I preached two more funerals or maybe three more funerals for other family members. And it, it introduced me to this idea and like thinking about, how am I going to think about this as a, as a Christian and as a pastor? How do I think about um, mortality? And um, and then the other part of it is, is just, I'm a pastor, and this is part of what we do is we prepare people for eternity, right? This is, this is like what God has called uh, me to do, when I, and, and when you read through the Bible, you see lots of things about how life does not last forever, and how um, one day our life will come to an end, and we've got to be prepared for eternity, we've got to be prepared for eternal life. Now, at this point, I need to let you know where we're going with the service today and the sermon, and we, we're not talking necessarily about death the whole morning on this you know, very first Sunday of, of 2021, but we are talking about heaven. I want to spend some time talking about heaven today, and I think it's important for us to think about heaven for a number of reasons. And this sermon, too, I'll tell you, will be a little bit different than a typical sermon. So on any given Sunday at this church, me or someone else will read a passage of Scripture and teach on that one passage of Scripture typically. We might use other passages to kind of support it. That's, but that's sort of our style of, of, of preaching, communicating here at the church as we work through a passage of Scripture and, and talk about what, what is in there and, and what we can, how we can understand it. Today's going to be a little bit different, almost like a Bible study where we're going to jump around a little bit to several different passages of scripture, scripture. So just a heads up on that. But with that in mind, I want to talk about heaven. It's sort of a collection of thoughts about heaven. We're going to start with misconceptions, misunderstandings about heaven that are important for us to get, to get rid of and to bring some truth to. And then I want to close the sermon by talking about why thinking about heaven is practical. What's the point of having this this discussion about heaven? It's like, does it affect today? And that's what we're going to talk about during our time together this morning. So to start with, uh, I'd like you to go to John chapter 14 um, and then verses 1 through 3 of John 14. So this is Jesus on heaven. And this is the final gathering with his disciples, and he's, he, John, the Gospel of John includes all this great teaching on uh, the kingdom of God, and it's the high priestly prayer, and it's all of this wrapping up at the end of Jesus' life, all of these great truths about heaven um, and about his kingdom and about what he is all about. So it's this kind of final time with his disciples. And so John 14 opens up with these words, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, I said at the beginning, uh, there's misconceptions about, about heaven, and there's a number of them, and we'll get to them in just a, just a few moments, but I want str- to uh, strengthen what I said there and not and get rid of the nice, polite word, misconception, and we'll call them lies about heaven instead. And there's a, a number of them, and we, we see at the beginning the truth about heaven. So what we're talking about here is that heaven is a place. Heaven is a place where Jesus is. We see that in this passage a place that Jesus is preparing for his people. It's, it is not a, an idea. It's not just a concept. It's not some ethereal spiritual realm. It's a place. And it is where Jesus is. It's where God dwells, and it's a place prepared for his people. The Bible will add to this and other scriptures that we're not going to get to today that we'll call it our inheritance. It's It is the place where sorrows cease. No tears in heaven. Not just an Eric Clapton song, but a truth from scriptures, right? Um, New heavens and the new earth. So that when we think about heaven, we think about where where we go when we die before the return of Christ. We go to heaven. And then after the return of Christ, we have this establishment of the new heavens and the new earth. In both of those places, when we talk about heaven, we could be talking about this you know, heaven where, where Jesus is, where to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Or we could be talking about the new heavens and the new earth. But in any case, there, it's a place. It's not an idea. It's not a concept. It's not a, it's not a cloud. Okay? Um, and I, I'm making a big deal about this because this is, this is an important concept for us to understand. There was In the early church, there was this heresy called Gnosticism, spelled G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M. And it was this concept that physical things of all kinds were not very valuable, and only the spiritual things were were valuable. And then the Gnostics believed in all these kind of secret knowledge, these things that you could know, and not everybody was privy to the same information. But if you had this secret knowledge, you could somehow leave the physical realm and go to the spiritual realm that really mattered more and was of value. And that also meant that their bodies didn't matter very much that the physical things of this world had, had no value, only the spiritual mattered according to this heresy. And the Scripture tells us that our bodies matter and that we will actually dwell in eternity in a bodily form. We'll have glorified bodies. Scripture tells us we'll have bodies like Jesus had, at Jesus' resurrection appearances. And it'll be this kind of combination of the physical and the spiritual, not just spiritual. It is a physical place where we will have physical bodies. We will not be. So here are the lies. We're not going to be floating beings playing harps all day. That doesn't sound fun to me. Does that sound fun to you? Like, it doesn't sound like a place I want to go and spend eternity. Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to go. I'm I, all day singing, right? So I came across this guy named Clay Jones on a podcast. He's a Christian scholar, and in this interview, he had written about, about heaven um, in this book. And he talks about meeting, he said that, that there's lies about heaven. So he's the guy that convinced me that we have these lies that are really detrimental to our life that many people believe about heaven. And he says they're lies from Satan. Because if Satan can get us to think that heaven is a boring place or a bad place, then he's won in some way, right? He's like, that is a goal for him, to get us thinking the wrong thing about where we're going to spend eternity. We need to have a clearer picture in our mind about where, what eternity is going to be like. And so Clay Jones starts by, he was talking about meeting a college student, a girl who was in her sophomore year of college, and she came up to him and she, she was crying. She's fighting back tears as she talked to him. She confessed, I don't want to go to heaven. I'm kind of scared of heaven. My concept of what heaven is going to be like is not somewhere I want to go and spend a lot of time. And he said that we get these cultural images of what heaven is supposed to be like. And here's, here's what he says in, in one of the interviews he did, that heaven is white. If you think about colors and what heaven's going to be like according to culture, it's just all white. You're wearing white robes, there's white clouds, everything is just the color white. And I don't know about you, but I like colors. I like different colors too. You know, like I I have my favorite color is not white; it's blue. Um, And when the Bible talks about what heaven is like, it does not. Sure, that color's there, but it's colorful. The descriptions we have in Scripture for what heaven is like is not just this blank white canvas. But a beautiful pearl, you know, all of these different images that we see in the book of Revelation of what, what heaven will be like, what, what the new heavens and the new earth will be like, is not boring and blank, but vivid and beautiful. He says that the, the, we get the idea from culture that we're going to sing all day. He says this, it's going to be full of nerds and prudes, and it's going to be boring. These kinds of things. Um. That we're going to be sporting flightless wings and singing all day. Like, what's the point of the little wings you see on the people, you know, that can't actually make them fly? That, that is not what heaven is like. We need to have a better image in our mind of what heaven is, is about and what it is like. Um, Mark Twain famously said, choose heaven for the climate and hell for the company, right? This is this idea that, that you would not be with people that are fun to hang around if you go to heaven, right? These are all lies, These are all lies from the father of lies, Satan himself. If Satan can get us to think that heaven is a place where we don't want to go, then then that's victory for him. Because heaven is actually supposed to be something that motivates us and helps us in this life. The the prevailing image through the scripture, according to Clay Jones, about what heaven is like is a banquet, like a big celebration, a big party, a physical place with physical joys and physical food and things to drink that, you know, a place that you would enjoy, not not a place where you're going to be bored sitting on a cloud strumming a harp, right? But a place where you'll have work to do that matters, a place where you will get to spend the time with people that you wish you could have spent on earth or meet the people that you wish you would have been able to meet on earth. Um, This is... This is the place. It is. It, it's, it's incredible. It's amazing when we think about what heaven holds in store for God's people. John Stott. He was writing about the Apostles' Creed. This is the old statement of faith put together. One of the earliest statements of faith put together by Christians, and it ends with this idea that I believe in the in life eternal and the resurrection of the dead. That this is a part of what Christians. Believe, And he, he writes about that part of the Apostles' Creed. He says this, I've been writing with enthusiasm for this everlasting life is something to which I look forward. Why? Not because I'm out of love with life here, just the reverse. My life is full of joy from four sources, knowing God and people and the good and pleasant things that God and men under God have created and doing things that are worthwhile for God or others or for myself as God's man. He's like, I've got things to do here, I've got people that I've been getting to know, and I've been getting to know God, and my life is full of these joys. He says, but my reach exceeds my grasp. My relationships with God and others are never as rich and full as I want them to be, and I'm always finding more than I thought was there in great music, great verse, great books, great lives, and the great kaleidoscope of the natural order. As I get older, I find that I appreciate God and people and good and lovely and noble things more and more intensely. So it is pure delight to think that this enjoyment will continue and increase in some form. What form? God knows. And I am content to wait and see, literally forever. Christians inherit, in fact, the destiny that fairy tales envision. We, yes, you and I, the silly, saved sinners, live and live happily, and by God's endless mercy, will live happily ever after. The promise of heaven should be a motivator for us, and I think that one of the reasons that Satan loves to mislead people and why there are so many cultural images about heaven that are not appealing to us, is because he knows that the, that the way that we think about heaven impacts the way we live our lives today. And I want to spend the rest of the time talking about why that's true. I think what heaven does for us. If we have a, an image in our heaven, kind of this end goal, where we are headed someday with, because of our life in Jesus and because of the salvation that Jesus gives us. I want to talk about why that's practical. And I think also that we don't actually talk about heaven enough in our, in our kind of modern American churches. It's kind of this doctrine that we believe matters just when you're talking about death, but it's not as much of a motivator for our day-to-day life, and I disagree with that. I think it's important that we think about this and have this image in our mind of what heaven is like and where, where we're going and what matters in eternity and what eternity will be like. There's this old saying that people say, that someone is so heavenly-minded, they are no earthly good. You ever heard that saying before? So no, Yeah, a lot of head nods. Didn't feel like raising your hand. I get it, I get it. We're tired. It's January 3rd. Um, uh, so this... this uh, Saying is problematic, right? It's the idea that if you are, if you are so heavenly-minded, your head is on spiritual things, your mind is always thinking about spiritual things, you're totally disconnected from doing anything in this world. And C.S. Lewis takes this, this idea and he says, no, man, the people that were most heavenly-minded did the most earthly good. People that were truly thinking about eternity and thinking about about eternal life, we're thinking about things that in the they, they were thinking about this world correctly, so that they could actually make an impact for good in this world. So here's three three points we're going to talk about um, that why I think this doctrine of heaven or thinking about heaven is practical. The first one is this: heaven gives us perspective about any troubles we may face today. Heaven gives us perspective about any troubles we may face today. In Romans eight. to the glory that will be revealed to us. And that creation, and we ourselves as a part of creation, we're, we're awaiting this redemption, this, this consummation of where, where life enters into eternity. And given glorified bodies and all this, and, and it puts the troubles that we face in perspective, that we begin to think correctly about what we're going through. And when we have this sense of perspective about any challenges we might face in this life. It helps us to face them that they're not even worth comparing with what will come after this life. Second point, heaven helps us think correctly about our time and possessions. Heaven helps us to think correctly about our time and possessions. Jesus uses this image in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount where he says that you can store up treasures in heaven where moth, and, and moth does not eat them or destroy them and rust will not corrupt it. These things will not affect our eternal life investments that we make into eternity. And so we begin to think about what we've been given to manage on this side of eternity. You have your time, you have your abilities that you've been given, you have the energy you have, you have your, your resources, your financial resources, and all of these things are temporary. They last for this lifetime, and we have a choice about what we're going to do with those things. And so if we believe in heaven, Jesus encourages us in Matthew 6 to, the, to actually store up treasures in heaven as opposed to storing them up here on this earth. That we can leverage the things that we've been blessed in this life with to store them up. That heaven, in some ways, is like a storehouse. Heaven is like where you make investments in this life for you to enjoy in eternity. Randy Alcorn wrote a great book on heaven, um, and he also wrote a really good book on on money, and he talked about if you were living at the end of the Civil War and you had tons of Confederate money... (laughs) That you knew that when the war came to a close, you had somehow had the foresight to think, like, when this war comes to an end, this money's worthless. And I need to buy the money that will be worth something after this war comes to an end. You'd be very wise to take that Confederate money and to take it to a bank and trade it for union money. You know, United States of America money that would have value after the war came to an end. And he says, in a similar way as followers of Christ... We, we can think about our life in that way. That we have things that will be worthless someday. And we can invest them into eternity. Our time, our talent, our treasure. And it helps us think correctly about our time and possessions when we think about heaven. Final point is this, heaven helps us to have our focus in the right place. And we get this idea from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It says this, if then, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Heaven gives us a direction to place our mindset and a place to think about, a place to focus on. There are so many things that can distract us, but we're encouraged in Colossians to seek the things that are above where Christ is, to let that be our ultimate goal, our ultimate focus. Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, classic Um, book that I'm sure many of you in this room have read. And one of those habits of highly effective people is to begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. And the point is that if you think about where you're headed and where where all this is going, you're better prepared to put a plan together to get you there and to to think correctly about what you're going to do today if you're thinking about where you want to go ultimately. And as we begin this new year, As we start on, you know, next Sunday, as Pam mentioned, we're starting a series called Resilient Faith. Every every year we start the year out with a spiritual growth series, talking about how are we going to grow spiritually in the year ahead, and that's what Resilient Faith is all about. So I encourage you to come back for that. But as we think about that, I want you to think about where we're headed. And when I say we, I mean those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, right? Because the only way we can go to heaven is because Jesus left heaven to come to us. Jesus came to bring life to people who were living in darkness and were separated from God. And because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can have life in him. Jesus offers life to everyone who would come to him, including heaven, which is a place we want to go. And uh, so as as we're wrapping up this morning and as we're thinking about where we're headed over the next few weeks about the spiritual growth, begin with the end in mind. Set your mind on things above. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. There's an old song, John Lennon, when he left the Beatles, wrote a song called Imagine. And the celebrities all blessed us with their version of, of, that, of that during, uh, during the uh, um, pandemic time when everything was shut down. For they generously recorded from their mansions, this lovely version of the song Imagine. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Some of you do. Um, but the song starts out with these words, right? This is a beloved song, and I'm going to offend some of you. I'm, I'm sorry, but here we go. People love that song, and I I like that it's, uh, I like that it's, musically it's great. The melody's great, his voice is really nice and all that in the song, but it starts out with these words, imagine there's no heaven. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I want to say no thanks. In fact, I'm going to imagine and try to get the most vivid image as possible in my imagination of what heaven is like. Because I think it will help me to live this life better and more effectively, to know Jesus more, to deal with things in, in my life. And, and I want to ask you too as we're wrapping up, like is there stuff in your life that makes no sense in light of heaven when you think about heaven? Or are there things that only make sense because of heaven? right, that, that there should be things like that, that we, we go, man, I, this maybe makes no sense in the context of this, just if this life is all there is, then giving generously, being, being a generous person, giving towards the cause of Christ makes no sense if this life is all there is, but it makes all the sense in the world. If we are living for beyond this life and, you know, our, our giving gets extended into eternity and, and there, there's something... Um, incredible and amazing for us to keep in our minds about that and in our hearts so I want to imagine that there is a heaven because there is and I want to let it it affect the way I live my life and I want to first of all know Jesus because I'm going to spend eternity with him and I can get to know him now and we get to know him because of Jesus' death on the cross for us and then I want to do things and live my life with that end in mind knowing that I'm going to get to spend eternity with him someday so would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for your people. I thank you for those gathered here today. Lord, I pray first of all for everybody in this room and everybody watching online, Lord, that you would help us to know you first as our Savior. Lord, you generously give us the gift of eternal life through Jesus' death on the cross. That the only way we can make it to heaven, the only way that we have any right to enter those gates is because of what Jesus has done for us. And so, Lord, I thank you for this incredible gift, and I pray that we would all be recipients of that. Lord, help us to all have received that. If there's any in this room who hasn't done that yet, I pray that today, even right now as I'm praying, you would help them to say yes to you. Give them that gift of salvation. Help them to walk with you by grace. Not something we could earn, not something we could deserve, but simply a gift of grace. And we thank you for that good news. And Lord, for all of us, I pray that you would help us to live our lives in light of eternity. Lord, we can put up with difficulties in this life, knowing that the, the next life that will never come to an end will be full of joy. Um, we can live our lives in a countercultural way for you. Um, not pursuing what, what this world tells us matters the most, but pursuing what you tell us matters the most. Because we know there's heaven to come, and we know that we are living our lives in light of eternity. Lord, I pray that you would give us a more vivid image of what heaven is like, and may that fuel us in this life. Your word tells us to um, seek the things that are above where Christ is, and so we want to do that today, we want to do that regularly, and I pray that you would help us to dispel the lies that our culture hands us about what eternity is like, and to know that it is a place. Um, of great joy and peace. And so we thank you so much for that. I pray that you bless each and every person here. Help us as we start out this new year. Help us to follow you with passion, to pursue you with everything that we have and everything that we are. Pray that you'd help us as a church to be on the mission that you've called us to be on, Lord, to help people find you and to develop their, rela- in, in their relationship with you, to find life in you, to grow in our relationship with you personally, and to help others do the same. We love you. We present this year. Uh, ahead to you. Lord, be glorified in us, and we ask for your blessing now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.